and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Woo! Halo bearers! Everyone, congratulations. We did it. We made the tw- 10 million tweets happen. Woo, everybody. Thank you for all your hard work. We got the very coveted, long anticipated, never shot bed scene Bedroom. script. Yes. Which, if you didn't go to the Twitter space that's happening like right now as we're recording this, it's okay. Don't worry. We will reenact it for you. So <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to whatever that's going to be. We would like to take a moment to thank our supporters that have uh, been supporting the podcast over this past month. Um, as we do every month, we give everybody a shout out who's been financially supporting us. So big thanks to Kathleen, who's financing us on Anchor. Thank you. Thank you for your continued you. support. And a big, big thank you to all of our patrons or Patreons, however you supporters. pronounce it supporters so thank you to geraldine cc sandy Haley, annie frida imperia lorena and sawyer we love you guys thank you so much you. always fun to talk to you in our discord channel you guys are absolutely the best thank you thank you thank you your support made it possible for us to reenact the avatrice bed scene script here it comes let's get into it <laughs> All right, so playing the role of Beatrice will be yours truly. Who's our Ava? I will be playing Ava. Woo! <laughs> pillow, I just noticed. Damn it, I don't have a pillow. I'll make it work. And our narrator slash omnipotent voice will be... This is Beatrice. This oh is God. Ava. And this is the narrator who is the ghost of Lesbish. <laughs> yes! <laughs> this is the ghost of Lesbish. All right. Here we go. Let's get into it. Hold on, I have to get my... I was practicing over here. I was doing blocking. This... All right. Actually, no, I'm supposed to be like this. You're staring. You're awake. Okay. Damn it, Ava. Sounds about right. (laughs) 
I apologize. Ava is not cooperating. You cast Scene the right 17. Dino <laughs> oh yeah, for those who are listening, we're reenacting this with Dino Nuggets. So check it out on YouTube if you want the visual. Scene 17. Exterior. Swiss Alps Town. Swiss Alps Town. Day. Establishing. A modest apartment building in the Swiss town. Scene 18. Interior. Ava's apartment. Daytime. Very student housing vibe in here. And gay. Ava sleeps in a tangle of bed sheets, a limbs akimbo, that's a new word, on one side of a double bed. Reveal. On the other side is Beatrice. Staring up into the ceiling, she glances over at the sleeping Ava. Staring, wait, take, she glances over at the sleeping Ava. Sorry, guys. Takes a moment, then. Three, two, one. An alarm goes off. Ava bolts awake. Well, they're coming. Beatrice stops the alarm. What happened? Time for training. Uh. Beatrice hops out of bed to get coffee and going into the adjacent kitchen. Uh. Ava groans, having clearly stayed up too late. She yawns hugely. She takes in their crappy apartment. Question. Beatrice continues to prepare breakfast. Yes. Isn't the Vatican, like, worth a million dollars? I have no idea. Why? It just feels like the church could have rented us a nicer place to live. Like, why make us work our asses off to pay for this crap hole? (sighs) Please don't say also crap hole. Women our age without jobs draw attention. Unwanted attention would interfere with your training. Bunch of cheapskates, more like. Ava shrugs. She bounces to her feet, motivated. Okay. I can feel it. Today's the day. We'll see about that. Josh realized that the ghost of Lesbish. Oh, Finn. <laughs> um, <laughs> the ghost of Lesbish did not. <laughs> My bad, Make guys. Make an appearance. <laughs> I have breadcrumbs everywhere. <laughs> Fantastic. So we're off to a great start. We hope you enjoyed the reenactment slash audio production of the Avatris Ben scene script as done by Big BGE and Dino Nuggets. BGE. I forgot there was an accent. Me too. That, totally that would have swayed my thing because I, I know Brie with her accents. Mm. Hmm. Mm. It's, it's all good it's all done you did it it's funnier and with that like chicken we're gonna jump into the episode so today the real reason we're here is to talk about episode 205 which i forgot the name of mark mark 1045 <laughs> <laughs> that was so dramatic it was because in the reaction videos, <laughs> Brie says that. <laughs> well, you say that, and then Brie goes, no. And oh. then it's like 1121 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it confuses the shit out of you. 
So I was just it. remembering. Happy go watch our, go go watch our reaction videos. Yes, if you haven't seen them, we did the all of season two, and they are on YouTube. All of them right now. All right, listen. Let's just it's full do length this. on Patreon. <clears throat> that too. Yeah, go become a patron if you'd like to support us in our Dino Nugget reenactments. Yes. <laughs> My favorite. Um, All right, now I'm gonna like not get this thing off topic, and I'll leave it to you two. Bye. Bye, Caitlin. All right, you're leaving us alone just in time to get into some grooming. <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm like. We just need to get this scene over with. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. This scene is intertwined with another scene that's way better. So. The way this episode opens is there's essentially two versions of the Ariella Adriel story being told simultaneously, and we're cutting between Adriel trying to groom Lilith and Yasmin explaining this in the erotic pastry van to the OCS members, essentially. So Adriel basically is telling the story of like him and Ariella uh, teaming up as like. where he's painting himself as like the hero like she he's like she was so broken and beautiful and i saved her you know and together we were gonna form a new religion and erase the lies of this world so he's using all this like propaganda type language and framing himself as the good guy to lilith who was listening to this and it's just really gross especially the part where he's like i loved her and it's like oh here we go so he's done this before basically um, and he claims that, like, the fact that he loved Ariella is what made him blind to her inevitable betrayal, not the fact that he was power grabbing. She saw that and was trying to stop it. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Ugh. So, in the van, Yasmin's telling the other version of the story where she's like, well, you know, Ariella saw he was being a fuckface and um, that he was trying to build this temple, and it was an inverted temple underground which is important to the whole plot going forward. No one knows why he did that at the time, but he was trying to bring his version of the truth to the world. And Ariella was like, yeah, no, I'm going to pray about this. And while she's praying, God sends her a mysterious hottie that gives her the crown of thorns. And the part I find hilarious about this is when she's staring at who we all know now is Rhea and Rhea disappears. Ariella looks surprisingly like, wait, where'd she go? (laughs) (laughs) relatable (laughs) like where did she go where'd she go where where, i didn't get her name that bitch just disappeared (laughs) (laughs) she just disappeared woman of my dream she gone now (sighs) and i find this also interesting not only was that funny in my brain but i also found this interesting that like from the get-go like raya was really influencing the first ever warrior nun Mm -hmm. which i found interesting and instead of like I always wonder, like, in that moment, why didn't she just try to take the halo? Because, like, her whole thing is she's trying to get the halo back. Why didn't she just take it? Instead, she's like, here's something else from the other realm. Like, she clearly could transport stuff with her. I never quite understood that unless she's, like, having fun with this game. I don't know. It was weird. It's a good question, but I think it all would have been explained. I know. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. A lot of my questions for this episode are like ponderings or just like in future seasons, I feel like we would have gotten into this, which we were denied. Simon. I know. Simon, what was going to happen? 
I'd love to know. Because, like, it, she just seems to be using a lot of these, like, OCS members, warrior nuns, versus, mm-hmm. like, she never tries to actually take the halo from them. She just tries right, to Right, exactly. Them. So it's very... It's very it's intriguing. And it's intriguing. And the fact that, like, in this encounter, too, like, uh, Ariel never finds out who she is. So she's been interfering this whole time, and the OCS had no idea mm-hmm. that Rhea has been playing them, too, really. So... Yeah. It's like another one of those like all powerful beings using them as pawns mm-hmm. and they have no idea they're pawns. And yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I wish we had more seasons to really like explore. We needed, we needed that. <sighs> you know, I also, yeah. I do. I like the way they shot, the way they shot this and Ooh, yes. had the, the juxtaposition of the, the different stories mm-hmm. that took you back and forth just mm-hmm. because it was just such a neat uh, a neat little thing to get you both sides of this story in an in- interesting way. And I really, as much as I don't like seeing, I know that the, 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 the groomer, I loved that whole playing with that. But. Yeah. I think it's an, an it's, it's, it's like two sides of the same story kind of deal, mm-hmm. but also, it's a it's back to like what they talked about in season one i think we talked about this when we did our season one discussion about warrior nun where a lot of like what adriel tells versus like what is known by other people it's a way to comment on kind of like how the truth gets distorted over time exactly and like his truth is that i was the good guy doing all this stuff but like the truth that Yasmin's order that's been passing the story down for generations is like, no, no, no. Ariella saw he was dangerous and that's why she interfered. It wasn't, you know, so it goes to show you perspective matters and like, who's the good guy of the story basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it shows you all of the shades of gray instead of just your, you're just binary good evil mm-hmm. black white that kind of like thinking when it comes to morality or events or whatever and y'all know that that's something we love when Absolutely. people explore love 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 and i i do love the way they play with that like mm-hmm. legend versus reality versus truth religion In versus this- science versus what actually is totally. religion yeah. yeah yeah this show really plays with that very nicely and stuff like this is fun because it's like juxtaposing it side by side like very you see it all play out together mm-hmm. so it's very very fun but yeah it's, that, it's fun oh, go, go, and sorry. then no 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 you go ahead i'm i'm good like okay uh back to the story so the hottie from the other realm was really bringing ariella this the crown of thorns and the po- point of that was is to imprison adriel yasmin's kind of telling like the full truth of her order and all the stuff to Ava, the warrior nun, and everybody. And according to Adriel, though, the halo corrupted Ariella after she met Rhea suddenly and describes the halo as a weapon too powerful for any human to bear for too long. And although he's the worst ever, I think there's a truth to this line that he delivers because when we we hear about Shannon, like in season one, we, we came in at the tail end of Shannon and, and there seems to be this consensus that she was getting paranoid towards the end. And it seems that it seems like Ariella did 
too in a way like she, like she was kind of getting paranoid towards the end of her reign as the warrior nun and so i'm wondering what you think of the sentiment that like the halo corrupts humans i think that it, it seems like something that would very much fit in with the story and that it would be a good plot point for Ava to, you know, cause we know she comes back from Rhea's realm and right. to, to be like, if she still has the halo, which I mean, yeah, the only I way mean, she wouldn't is if Rhea healed her, et cetera, et cetera. So I mean, can you bring somebody back from the dead that's been brought back from, Never mind. We'll get well, into also, that like, at some other point. She has to have the halo cause the sword glows. And the halo makes it, it's the only right, thing that makes it right. glow. She I, has to still I, have it. I do not know why I even said that. Anyway, so Ava's back. If she were, that would be a good plot point in a season three, I think. Now, my my other thing was it could also just be propaganda that fuckhead is throwing out there. So I want to, I want to be on the side of it's propaganda because... I like having Ava as possessing the halo and I would really like to see her in, in diff in more, if we had more seasons actually figure out ways to control it more and harness it and then like grow all of that. that that's just my uh, selfish desire, but totally. I think totally. that it corrupting would make more sense in a writing perspective. I also wonder too, because there's obviously a big thing. So there's more to this halo than we actually know, because that's mm -hmm. the truth of everything in the, in Warrior Nun. Like Simon and the writers are purposely giving us sprinkling information without revealing the whole everything. Like we're getting like a granular view versus the thirty thousand foot view of what's actually happening. And I think the halo is part of that too. We see pieces of it up close, but we don't see the whole thing of like what this actually is. We still don't know what it really is. Exactly. We just know that. Two powerful people or creatures or whatever trying to get it, and it's been hidden inside these women for like a, a hot minute, and they keep dying off the women. And so I wonder if like, is it the halo that's corrupting them, or is it like Rhea like influencing them? I wonder too because everything seemed fine and dandy with based on the story with Ariella until Rhea interfered, and then he's like, now she's paranoid and stuff. So I'm wondering if it's Rhea's influence and then he sees it as paranoia because like the warrior nuns are seeing another perspective and are like, huh, maybe he's not what he seems. I don't know. Or is like the halo itself corrupting, like by mm -hmm. nature it corrupts, which maybe, right. um, maybe that power makes people, it corrupts you via power, I guess, because it is powerful. I don't know. Interesting question. I was just, I was like, I feel it like that's also... a real line that he's saying. The halo is made from the same thing that the Taras demons. I don't know if it's divinium or if it's like um, another like unique organic material from the other realm. So it's like foreign material. Could it corrupt a human? That's exactly. Like earth material. Could it mess with your brain? Is is like over time? Is the question? Oh, totally. Yeah. Exactly. Does it so, like? Is it like a cancer oh, in a, in a way? Yeah. Exactly. So that would be really interesting. I do think that Shannon just actually 
did cotton on to the fact that not hot priest was a douche nozzle and she had a good reason to be paranoid and so did Ariella. But I mean, these are women who are thrown into this thing and people are coming at them from all sides with, you need to do this. You need to do that. And anyway. Yeah. And that's the, no. And that's a really excellent point. And that was the other thing I was thinking too, because with Shannon, I don't know if her paranoia was actually the halo itself or it was the Mm -hmm. burden of responsibility of being the halo bearer that eroded her mental health because Mm -hmm. you know mary saw it she had this like you have this as a as the halo bearer they have this unique responsibility that nobody else has and nobody else can understand what they're going through so like is that isolation making them paranoid like that's what i'm wondering is it like the Mm -hmm. The burden of carrying this thing versus the thing itself that's quote unquote corrupting. I don't know. Give us more seasons. If we had more seasons, we'd know. We would know. Somebody pick up the show. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin, make that into a tune. (laughs) There we go. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Listen, that sounds like fun. (laughs) uh, All right. Anything else with this scene? Yes, I'm finishing the scene. Um, Either way, it doesn't matter. So, like, the, the bottom line is that Ariella turns on Adriel and calls him a monster and labels him a monster, which this is language he's giving to Lilith to, again, get her on his side because that's what she was called, essentially. Um, and then ultimately, the two of them battle it out, and we all know how that ends. Adriel got the crown of thorns on his head, was in a tomb, and... The thing that made Ariella really successful was her sisters because Ariella had support and numbers and people that believe and care about her versus like the sole entity with power. And I actually really like this story because I think it's another, it's a take on again, like power and like monotheism and like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas like power is often framed as like one person having power above everybody else. And that's like God in the Christian faith. But in this case, that's not what won. What ended up winning was like the sister that believed and then her sisters that believed in her and like together they banded and like overtook him. And it goes to show you like support and community can get you super far versus like the one person who has magical powers in this story. So I do really love that. And then we get, um, while this story is happening, we get gay staring between Ava and Beatrice, which is really important and super Thumbs cute. up. 10 out of 10. Amazingness. Oh, there's so much case staring. It's really cute. Other key point parts in this whole story is that Adriel cannot be killed in this realm, which I wonder if that goes both ways, meaning like the beings from the other side of the portal, when they come here, like Adriel did, he can't be killed here. Because I guess there's no organic material here that can kill him. And I wonder if that's true of like when Lilith, Michael, Ava cross to the other realm, can they not be killed there? And is that why they get healed? Like, I wonder if there's like this weird inverse thing happening with organic material where it's like a reversing of sorts. Because mm-hmm. like every time they go over there when they're like dying, injured, they seem to heal. So I wonder if like the right. damaging process in cells is like reversed and it's regenerative. I just, yeah, I was just curious about that. Like it's almost like a mirror dimension in a way. Mm-hmm. And side note, my favorite part of this whole thing is the way 
Yasmin is passionately telling this story. <laughs> it's like she's been dying to tell this story her entire life and she finally gets to like tell it and she's like acting it out with like an Ariella stabbed him and she's like doing all the hand motions and it's the it's so cute. Thing. It's so fucking cute. I love it. Oh, I love it. I, I love, love it. it. Love it. Love it. Yasmin, you cutie. Yasmin should have enacted that with chicken nuggets, Caitlin, in the comments, but she did not have them. No, she only had, she only had erotic pastries, and I don't think we want to see that. <laughs> you know, could you imagine? And then Adrian. Oh, no. <laughs> She's still- <laughs> Actually, that funny. They probably ate them all. There's nothing left of that van. Let's be That's real. true. That's true. Uh, oh my so god, where is the de- hold on, I'm so sorry. Where is the deleted scene where Ava and Beatrice get in the van and they're like, this is the food we have, and somebody gives that to Beatrice? <laughs> where was that scene? Where's the scene of where's Ava trying scene? where's the scene of Ava trying to sword fight Beatrice with the erotic pastries? <laughs> and Beatrice well, Ava just trying not to convince it. Beatrice to yeah. eat the pastry because they haven't eaten anything yeah. in like three days. Just eat it. Where's Beatrice? That I think we need to write it. Beatrice, <laughs> you know she's doing Sign of the Cross like a 500 times. We oh, just need hilarious. to... Uh, we need to write it and, and act it out ourselves. Can our next 10 million tweet demand be the er- Avatrice erotic pastry van scene? Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Somebody organize that. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, yes. So, after that, we get the gang arriving at jillian's that erotic pastry van's just rolling on up to the big fancy house not suspicious at all <laughs> not at all not weird at all <laughs> that happens to me every day i know anyway, i'm so tired of it so, <laughs> <laughs> they uh drive up get out of the van and they approach the gates and like buzz in and they're like Hey, um, what's up, Jillian? We could use your help. <laughs> and Jillian's like, hell no. <laughs> you got, I can't help you. Like, no. Lil, like, and then they die. Lilith's gone. Lilith's not here, everybody. Whatever, get out. Oh, I love that now they're like, where's Lilith? Like, yeah. it's been five episodes, like, and now we're suddenly worried about Lilith. Like, exactly. Lilith has every right to be like, fuck you guys, <laughs> and go somewhere else. Preferably not with groomers. Oh, God. So, here's the big reveal. Michael is like, Miguel! 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 Miguel is like, uh, tell her her son's here. I'm like, you fucking dramatic little bitch. (laughs) Why were we not opening? Because I don't understand why we didn't open with that, because it was his idea to go here. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's like, I know a place. why Why is he (laughs) okay when they're like when he's like where they're like where are we going and he's like my home why aren't they asking these (laughs) questions (laughs) exactly jesus uh no brain cell as soon as as soon as he says that the freaking doors open magically jillian all the security systems turned off everything she's like out (laughs) jillian's like like flash gordon i know (laughs) 
damn it. Faster than Lilith can evaporate into places. Apparently, she's there. she rushes out and she goes up to Miguel because, you know, he's Michael and none of us are surprised. Oh, my God. It's almost like the names were meant the same thing or something. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, first, she can't really believe it. And she's just like staring at him and being like, is this what? real? Is it not real? Who's this and adult? Then, <laughs> and then he's like, hello, mother. Mother, why are all the lines so creepy? <laughs> and then they embrace, and it's like, uh, okay, cool. She's got her son back. You know what is cool though? When that happens, we get the lovely Jillian Michael score that Tangeline composed. Yay! And it's very heartfelt and like fragile sounding mm -hmm. to me. I love all of her heartbreak score for this season yes go i uh, love you, you tangeline not, we love you if you have not heard our interview with tangeline go check her out she was the composer for the music she's amazing mm -hmm. and and so yeah caitlin doesn't want us to forget callie the cat and then callie the cat who was instrumental in that score yes okay I punned. <laughs> I didn't mean to. You absolute dork. I love it. Thank you. So let's go. Let's follow all these dorks inside Jillian's house. Um, the beautiful music fades and we follow them inside. And Mother Superior cuts the weird silence in this living room, I guess, that they're in. And she's like, so where the F is Lilith? Because we thought she was with you and she's not with you. And we're suddenly interested in where she is. And Jillian's like, listen, listen, I don't know. All I know is she's changing physically and mentally, and she's, like, degrading. So she left me to go find help elsewhere. And then Camilla immediately gets upset by this. She's like, how dare you let her leave? And Jillian's like, um, the bitch can disappear at will. What did you want me to do? <laughs> what was I supposed to do? You've met Lilith. Obviously, you can't tell her what to do. Like, come, come now. Use your brain, girl. And it ends with like Mother Superior getting a phone call to, at the tail end of this. And she's like, listen, I got to take this phone call. But like, um, Camilla, behave, girl. What the hell? Rain in the big bed. What's going on here? <laughs> Camilla continuing her sassifying sassiness. This so episode. much. She's just like on edge and ready to just fight people. She's just got she a chip really on is. her shoulder, you know? Surprised uh, she didn't point a gun at Jillian. Right? Her machine gun. Or she, like, tranquilizes mm -hmm. her out of nowhere. I know. Right. I know. Um, one thing I will point out during during this whole scene, we do get a shot of Bia and Avertris with their arms crossed at the same time, and it's, like, peak girlfriend energy. Mm -hmm. They are mm -hmm. on the same page, and they are not pleased, and they are suspicious of all of this, and I'm here for it. Yes. Yes. More of them. More of them. Um, more of them. <laughs> So that call that Mother Superior got, guess who it was? It was Lay Pope. It was Pope on a rope. He's back. The Pope be calling because he's researching Adriel. <laughs> is he the Pope or is he a mob boss? Because he looks like a mob boss in this scene. He's, he's the mob. The Pope is the mob boss. Like, I know. I think IRL is. as well. For so, real. So he's been researching Adriel, and he's going to do this whole secret enclave. He's inviting all the people he still trusts, and Mother Superior is going to be there because she is one of those people that he still trusts. 
Yes. They still have that kind of relationship. And I would, I hate that I have to somewhat like the Pope this season. Yeah. Regretfully so. Regretfully, he's not the worst this season. And that's kind of sad because, he, I mean, the man. I mean, <laughs> sheesh he's just as he's just as bad as a power grabber as every other powerful person in this freaking oh absolutely but tables are turned on him right now Mm -hmm. because he's about to lose all his power and he's finally like five seasons five episodes in accepting the reality that like he can seriously lose power and his organization has now been infiltrated and he's like his Mm -hmm. his confidants are dwindling precisely so that's That's that scene. That's that scene. And at the end, at the end, if you read, if you watch it with the subtitles on when they're hanging up, it says ominous music. So like that can't be good. (laughs) Thanks, Tangeline. Mm hmm. She do be putting all the feels in here. She do be a foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of weird foreshadowing from there, we (laughs) (laughs) We cut it over to Michael in his childhood room, surrounded by the crayon doodles of the Ark. And he's looking at this like, man, my mom is a hoarder. (laughs) 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 shit is still on this wall. (laughs) I'm surprised. He should just be happy that she didn't like bronze at all. (laughs) Oh my god. No, for real. Like, (laughs) she has the money and technology to do it. It's creepy. Anyway, Julian comes in and they have a chat and and he is upset that basically Adriel used him because he spent time with Rhea now. So he's has Rhea in his brain and he's upset that Adriel basically used him to create the arc by implanting the blueprints in his mind. And this is my, the weirdest and my favorite conversation between the two of them, because after that, Julian's like, yeah, I admit I didn't really like understand any of this. I was just trying to heal you. So you're telling me that a world-renowned scientist was like, I'm going to take, I'm going to try to heal my son by taking the crayon doodles my eight-year-old son has drawn to create the device from his doodles that will heal him. How does that make any fucking sense? (laughs) I guess she was that desperate. Like... Make sense if you really think about it. That was wild. It's like <laughs> desperation for sure. Delusion? Was she drunk? Like, what happened that led her to be like, you know what? These, uh, my son might be a genius. <laughs> when was she studying the doodles? It's so weird. I just wonder if somehow. <clears throat> She's been handling all this divinium and Adriel was speaking to Michael because of the divinium. I don't know. There's just had to be some kind of way that he was convincing enough. Maybe he did. Um, That's the only thing I can figure, but it just seems really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. Caitlin's pointing wanted to point out that it's only been a few months and she's mourning her child. So it's true. 
But it's, it's true. like every child ha- like he's an adult. So like every like adult my parents do this too. They're like, We still have your doodles from when you were like three. And it's mm-hmm. like, please throw that out. Like, why do you still have that? Like it just gave me that energy from his point of view. Yeah. Like it's I don't want yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't like them together. They're just weird to me. I know. They're weird. They're weird, but you know what? They needed to clear the air. So they do that. (laughs) And Michael in this scene confirms Caitlin's gay math that he was gone for 14 to 15 years on the other side. That was how much time elapsed for him. And the whole time, Jillian, the whole time during this conversation, Jillian's just like looking him at at him in awe. Like she still can't believe he's right there and she feels like he's going to disappear at any second. And then she, like, projects her insecurity onto him during this conversation when she's like, wow, you must have been so alone. Because, like, that's how she felt when he was gone. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the who's manipulating Michael now talk, where he admits he wasn't alone. And he was working with Rhea, essentially, because she seems to have this habit of just, like, using Earthlings as a mean to her, whatever her end goal actually is, which I would really, really love to know what on earth that was and who else michael was interacting with on the other side too because you know like damn i just want to know what's going on over there i'm sorry we didn't uh, get yeah. to see any of that see. so yeah man yeah. well what happens next well we do get to see is camilla in the hallway being haunted by adriel in her oh, head yes. Thing. so uh, adriel i'm really getting tired of adriel popping up in her head because i know isn't he in enough scenes that we- I know. this is not consensual <laughs> yes uh for anyone involved no except for adriel <laughs> so, uh he she was like just kind of talking to herself out loud and he interrupts her which is rude and yeah starts just chitter chattering away and telling her that lilith is with him ha 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 and I'm like fucking shut up adriel you jack wagon literally so while mm. that's go- going on in her head she runs right into beatrice <laughs> <laughs> lurk much be <laughs> yeah beatrice is yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> older <laughs> As she does randomly in, you know, mansions. Yeah, and obviously, obviously Camilla is having a moment. And so she's like, what's up? And what's wrong? And she just tells Beatrice, you know, I'm having, an- I'm having another headache. And Beatrice being the little investigator science girl that she is, is like, so where does it hurt? No, when, when did this first start happening? When did the headaches start? Which apparently it happened back with the convent attack before the attack if you remember camilla had a whole harem she sure did and apparently that had also been infiltrated by adriel because there was one of the older nuns and you could obviously see in the scene that she touches camilla on the neck (laughs) And then I remembered where we were. Point on the doll, Camilla. I know. God, let's not bring back satanic panic. Um, The harem betrayed her. (laughs) 
one of them anyway i don't mm. know about the others I know. so it's, it's been happening ever since the older sister touched her which was a really creepy line I and know. <laughs> she, she didn't think anything of it at the time and i'm like you didn't think anything of it <laughs> camilla, camilla. <laughs> i love that she's like i didn't think anything of it but it's seared into my memory and i remember it yeah what the panic started yeah, you know <laughs> Uh, so she tells Beatrice that she's been hearing voices, and Beatrice is like, we're going to find out what the hell this is about. Let's go. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Let's go to the doctor's office. Yes. Dr. Beatrice is in. She is. She'd make a fantastic doctor. She would. Just in saying. a lab coat. <sighs> All right. Moment of uh, gay hydration for Beatrice in a lab coat, please. Right. Hydrate for listening, Jesus. Everyone? Because our next scene is not, there's no hydrating in this scene. So in the next scene, it's we're back to Jillian and Michael again. And Michael is basically telling her more about what it was like on the other side. And for me, I feel like this adds to what the truth of like what Lilith was saying. So it kind of like corroborates her story, basically. And he says, um, basically, I went over there. I thought it was gonna be in heaven because you told me this was a bridge to heaven. And then I jumped in and was like, wow, this is empty, fast nothingness. And I was wandering alone in a desert. Which checks out with Lilith's story, who basically said she was alone under a scorching sun for hours. So this world isn't perfect wherever they end up, bottom line. But unlike Lilith, where she felt like on very deeply unwanted and unwelcomed on the other side michael said he was found by quote wandering angels plural so i wonder who those people were and if they interact with ava but anyway the angels whatever take him to a shining city which is Rhea's palace essentially and that's where he meets her and he explains that Rhea is this immensely powerful entity so she's he describes her as an entity not an angel which i find interesting because Adriel keeps getting compared to an angel, but Rhea seems to be something entirely different in whatever humanoid hierarchy is happening over there. So she's like a big bad, potentially above Adriel is my take on this. And uh, basically Rhea took helpless alone Michael and raised him with purpose for 14, 15 years. And his purpose now is really to defeat Adriel on her behalf. So, which is, checks out. That's basically her MO. Like, she keeps, like, taking people and, like, redirecting them to, like, what she wants to accomplish. And the mo- her mom, Jillian's listening to this, and she's like, okay, um, but how, like, she raised you to stop Adriel how? And Michael's like, well, I can't tell you yet, because it's a secret for drama reasons. Because the truth would destroy his mother right then and there on the spot. And, uh, I feel so bad for her. Jillian, the whole conversation just looks so like just distraught and like yeah. it's horrible. Cause like here she, ha- she finally has Michael and then, but does she, it seems like mm-hmm. Reyes is new mommy now. Exactly. <laughs> so know? like her son, her son that she, that she fought so hard to save was taken to this, went to this place and was adopted and sculpted by someone else. So it's like she's losing she's lost her son all over again in a way oh absolutely and, and even if he wasn't sculpted she still lost her son because exactly he's not a kid anymore she lost 15 mm-hmm. years with him he is an adult now like she did lose her child son he's gone forever like yep. just imagine going from having like an eight-year-old 
to a 20 something year old. Like she mm-hmm. lost all those years that of raising him. And like, it's gone. He is an independent adult now who doesn't need his mommy anymore. And it's like, wow, that's a lot in two months to like, it really is. Like, so how he's like, she, she lost him all that. Again. Yeah, exactly. How do you process that? She, she can't like she, she, as she's like, has him in the room hearing all this stuff. You can see it on her face. She mm-hmm. is not, is having a hard time digesting this information. It's a lot. It's crazy. As one would. I mean, damn. Yeah. Well, guess uh, we get to see some more of very excited Yasmin. Oh my god, this is like her fangirl episode. (laughs) Yes, it is. So they arrive at the hotel where this conclave is going to happen, which is, of course, ritzy ditzy because... Guess what? The the church is worth a million bajillion dollars. Ava yeah, was Ava, right in the deleted scene. She sure was. Valid <laughs> thing to point out, Ava. It yeah. is some bullshit. Um, so Yasmin is super adorable and and historically correct, might I add. Yes. But Mother Superior is like, hey, you may not want to talk about any of this. Like, don't talk at all when we get in to this conclave. Just listen to everything that is said and not said. Like, sometimes you find out more by by just listening to what people don't say. And basically, mm-hmm. like, stop talking so loud in the lobby of this hotel about <laughs> all of our secrets. <laughs> I love when these two are on screen together and they're comic relief gold. Love them so much. They really are so good. They play off each other well. Oh, beautiful. But I do but love yeah. that she gives her some advice that's very important. And that is never apologize for your gifts. Yes. Just use them wisely because she did apologize to Mother Superior for being so excited. Yeah, and so, Yasmin definitely has a gift and is super is super valuable. So I like that mm-hmm. Mother Superior does val they takes takes the time to validate her. That has to mean exactly. a lot to Yasmin, you know. Indeed, because this is like uh one of one of the people that would be a hero to her. Totally, yeah. So. I mean, she's the she's the Mother Superior, and like mm-hmm. Yasmin, like was like, oh, you're the Mother, Su-, like you know, she, exactly. she's an idol in Yasmin's mind. Precisely. Uh, so they get up to this the room where the conclave is going to take place and it's just a room full of dudes that yasmin is starstruck by i'm like can we get out of this sausage fest <laughs> oh yes can we get out of this misogynistic room please yes. then the men start talking <laughs> it's worse. unfortunately yes so the pope in his dramatic mob boss fashion <laughs> opens the conclave with Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 be aware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing when inwardly they are nothing but rabbling wolves and obviously Adriel's the wolf so obviously here we go he's gonna try to be like hey everybody I was wrong we actually do need to like do something about this Adriel dude Oopsie doopsie. Whoops. I'm five episodes too late. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am like my actual people on the ground have been telling me for how long now that this dude is for serious a threat. Oh, I was I'm a man and I thought I was always right, as Caitlin points out. Guess what? You're not. You were stupid. <laughs> I really dropped the holy grail on this. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<sighs> Silliness. Mm-hmm. But, okay. I mean, at least he got to the point where he's like, all right, let's weed out those dissenters now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and smartly, he does have, like, Mother Superior in there. Because, like, really, the OCS is all he can trust at this point. Because they've kind of been, they're a secret order within this order. So, like, they've kind of been kept out of all of this, like, nonsense. So... They kind of are the objective third party. So having them there was really a smart move, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, we leave that scene and go to a Lilith and Adriel scene. <laughs> so we promise there's good moments in this in this episode that aren't these guys. But basically, Adriel is explaining to her what it was like to be underground for a thousand years. And he's like, listen, um, I'm immortal. So like time is works differently for me than it does for you for you a thousand years is beyond your comprehension for me it was like a blink in the eye and i'm super super patient so like there's that so lilith asks like okay that's cool but like back to me because i'm here to find answers really so what on earth is happening to me who the fuck am i uh, you've been just monologuing about you can we get back to me and he's like, listen, I can't really explain because none of the men can explain anything and none of them. So he's like, I, I'll show you, though. So we'll do some show and tell if you trust me, which Lilith, why, why, why do you why do you agree to this? And then in an effort of trust, he um, burns holes into her eye, her eye sockets, um, as one does when you're trying to show somebody something. Exactly. So that wasn't creepy as fuck i mean that's what i do and i can't see just yeah obviously find a groomer to burn my eyeball sockets so i can learn the truth good grief and that's to betsy so (laughs) i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a little because we're going to dr beatrice no, we're, we have to go to Jillian and Michael first. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I try to skip them. I know. I know. Well, Dr. Beatrice is coming. <laughs> um, Take that as you will. Every time we say Jillian and Michaels, all I can think of Jilly is Jillian Michaels. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you guys no. remember who she is. Uh, Jillian and Michael are with the arc. Jillian is like showing Michael the footage that Lilith got when she was on the other side. And that image, if you recall, of a person's face in all of the static from the footage, she's like, is Count Chocula? She's like, is this Rhea? And Michael stares at the image and gets all trancy and out of breath and then collapses a little, but she catches him and he's like, I was wrong to doubt. I thought I could change things, but Rhea's way is the only way. What has she got him on? Okay, I have a question about that. So, obviously, this isn't an Avatris scene, so I didn't really super pay attention to it the first few times I watched this. But as I was writing my notes, I got to thinking, like, was this body cam recording a message to Michael all along because he was already on the other side at that point. Rhea sent him back already when Lilith crossed over. Rhea knows everything. So she knows who sent Lilith over with the tech on her. Obviously that was Jillian, Michael's mother. Was this some kind of like message where she was communicating with him and that's why he froze? 
because the reaction is really weird for just like seeing her face exactly like you know was she communicating the way adriel was communicating with people like the way the, these people from the other side seem to be able to like telekinetically telecommunicate with people mm-hmm. i wonder i wonder if that was actually a message to michael that only he heard in that moment like divine influence from Rhea or whatever because like he almost collapses like it's almost like mm-hmm. something's happening to him when he's looking at the image it's the only way to explain it in my opinion like, yeah that, that she's he's receiving a message from that image in some way yeah, shape, almost or form. like remember your mission or like you know what i mean yeah it's reaffirming his crisis of faith i guess that he was having because a lot of characters are having crisis of faith in this season yeah this is you know? the big crisis of faith season because mm-hmm. everything's been questioned yeah and so Rhea's like no 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 you're the last one i have like it's doing my Mm-mm. bidding you cannot defect you so. may want to have fun and have like a life and everything but not it you're my bitch mm-hmm mm-hmm you're there for a reason and now can we go to dr beatrice now go to we dr can- beatrice now we can go to Dr. Beatrice. So Dr. B is performing a sonogram on the very obvious cross-shaped scar on Camilla's neck, which like, did she, does she not feel that? You know, it's like a scars are raised. Does she, does she not like, what the, why Questions. What the heck? Because <laughs> like in the earlier scene, when Beatrice collides and they collide together, when Camilla's explaining the headache, her hand goes to the scar. So, like, how does she not felt the scar? It doesn't matter. It's just whatever. Anyway, Dr. B's doing her thing and Camilla's fidgeting because she's having a, you know, she's like, the harem betrayed me. I was touched. What is going on? So she's fidgeting because she's having an internal crisis. And B's like, listen, you need to calm down because I'm doing medicine. And Camilla is like, I'm calm. I can be calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. It's fine. Uh, and he's like, um, that's some bullshit. You're a terrible liar. <laughs> and then we transition from there into Camilla's crisis of faith, where I guess this is, it's beyond just the thing on her, you know, the scar and the infiltrating in her brain kind of thing. She's expressing her own questioning of Christianity, basically her religion at this point. And she's saying things like, it's harder for me to pray, you know, something that obviously centered her she she was a believer in the faith too the same way beatrice was so this is common ground for the two of them unlike mary ava those kind of characters in the ocs and and she's seeing too that this whatever is going on is also like affecting mother superior who's like the rock solid like nothing shakes mother superior and camilla's like i even see that it's affecting you big oh stoic dr beatrice and Beatrice is like, yeah, you know, I've had some of these thoughts too. And uh, because she is having an internal crisis of faith, which we've been talking about, about her feelings for Ava and how that's clouding her judgment and all that stuff. But at this point, Beatrice is not ready to admit that to anyone, potentially even herself, really. And she's like, it's fine. It's a, you know, everything's fine. Um, and then we bookend that with Camilla being like, yeah that's some bullshit too because you're not much of a liar either which i love and just mm-hmm. shout out to uh sheila wilson who we also interviewed for this perfect scene with all mm-hmm. of its wonderful layers in the dialogue and the double meanings and that little bookend argument that's super super fun so everybody at home hydrate for sheila and the queer Jesus. sheila's amazing 
Sheila is amazing. She's a ball of sunshine, and this dialogue is so, so, so good and so layered, and I love it, love it, Big love chef's it. kiss. The biggest. Anyway, Beatrice is not having any of this conversation because she's not ready. She's not ready. And uh, also it's just, I, first of all, Camilla's also like, you're bad at something. And he's like, I'm not bad at anything. What are you talking about? I'm better than you, even at lying. And Camilla like lets that slide. And because she's, she's also frustrated, not just the crisis of faith thing. She's also frustrated that like, she can't seem to help people. Like she feels like she's doing a lot, but it's getting her nowhere. And it's just, it's just not enough. And so you know, she's feeling bogged down by all of that. And when Camilla starts talking about that, like Beatrice in the scene looks very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And because the layers of the scene, that's exactly what's going on with Beatrice and Ava. And like the fact that she feels like she can't protect Ava because again, the heist gone wrong is still in her brain. And then she weirdly projects advice onto Camilla that she should be giving to herself. Thank you. you. (laughs) Which is like, it's not your job to fix everyone. Beatrice, take your own prescription, girl. (laughs) And uh, then they have some cute dialogue where Beatrice basically like gives her a little pep talk. And she's like, you've come a long way from being a rookie and I'm proud of you kind of thing. And she says the line like, you, Camilla, you're the best of us, the heart of us. Which is so, so true. And, like, that's what we've been saying about Camilla since, like, season one. She really is, like, the heart, the glue. Like, even though she's, like, the new one, she she holds them together, honestly. And basically the sentiment at the end of that conversation is, like, everything's going to be okay. And then what ends the scene is the sonogram read, which is that there's a uh, divinium cross that's wedged into uh camilla's spinal cord which that's so fucked up (laughs) that harem woman must have been very angry to like how do you get something jammed into your spinal cord and not recognize that that's happening that's wild how do you get something jammed into your spinal cord and just be like no i have had this i there's a headache no that is not how that would go (laughs) no not at all that was c-spine stuff you don't get headaches from that no, as someone who A has seen spine surgery and B has had spine surgery and back issues in the past, that is not how that works. So Sheila, in the future, if you're writing and uh, somebody's getting something shoved into their spine, please consult us first. <laughs> we can let you know how that goes down in terms of symptoms. Yeah, we love you. We love you. But top notch scene, love the dialogue. Fun to Wonderful. see them interacting together because, like, they need it. They've been uh, in land of miscommunication for quite some time. Yes, they had to have a talk. Yeah. Common ground, you know. Do we have to? I mean, the first line of this next scene makes me rage. I never should have trusted you. Which, like, fucking duh, Lilith. That's, like, your whole arc this season. The problem Why did you is do she any of this? The problem is she doesn't stick with that sentiment. I know. He creepily <laughs> tells later. her to open her eyes. Like he's her A cult leader, B lover, C dad. And it's, I don't like any of it. So she does yeah. open her eyes. And when she does, she can see all of the demons that are the floating truth. around. And he's, she's like, um, I see reality. The, the, Jesus Christ. I wonder, too, if this whole thing, burning of the eyes, the cult leader-like behavior from him, is this Simon's take on just, like, blind faith? Probably. You know? It it makes sense. And also, uh, 
I love she's like, is this how Ava sees? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. You're different from Ava. No, right. no you're better than Ava. Right. Yeah. He's you like, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Come to me. Yeah, no, exactly. I love that that's where her mind goes first because mm-hmm. there's still, she still has that jealousy rival, fake one-sided rivalry thing with Ava in her brain going on. Because mm-hmm. like, so, you know. She sees reality, whatever. Okay, so, sure. Mm-hmm. What you see is the evil that surrounds him. That's my take on it yeah you see how he does all the things that he's doing <laughs> yes mm-hmm. by possessing demons, people with demons yeah. <laughs> sweet holy hell there's not a lot to say about that scene mm-hmm. except for you and what we've already said Ew, and yeah so then we fun times go back to camilla and beatrice and they're about to have they big talk that they very very much needed to have and we needed to hear so mm-hmm. let's get into it Camilla is uh, starts off with Camilla being all sullen and she's dwelling on the creepy cross that's in her spine that uh, cannot safely be removed because it's wedged into your C-spine. You would um, be a quadriplegic like uh, uh-huh. Ava. So we can't do that. So she's all upset about it as she should be. And B, Dr. B is like, listen, I think we should go get the actual doctor, um, Jillian, to come look at this because <laughs> maybe because she can like interfere with it or block it or some- disable it who knows let's go talk to her and camilla is like half listening and she's doing this thing that she keeps doing where she's like chews on her thumbnail mm-hmm. when she's like nervous distracted inward versus outward lost in thought kind of thing and in this moment where camilla's distracted b takes the opportunity to apologize and you know basically say to Camilla, I'm sorry for blaming you for the failed museum heist, as I did, and blowing up on you. And, uh, you know, if you need anything else from me, like, just know that I'm here to help you, no matter what you need. And then Camilla takes that line and flips it around on Beatrice and becomes the ship captain that we all know and love her for. And it's basically like, same goes to you, B, because you obviously something is going on with you. I can see it, like... I'm here for you. And of course, Beatrice at being caught in her feels is like, what? No, um, there's, I'm fine. I just, everything's fine. I'm fine. There's nothing weird going on here. But ship captain Camilla is like, listen, girl, I see the iceberg. Uh, this is about you and Ava. There's obviously something going on, on there. Like that's why you yelled at me in the freaking museum. And Ava and Beatrice is full on gay panicking where she's like, well, no, you know, I'm, it's my job to like protect the warrior nun and care about the warrior nun. Obviously that's all of our jobs. That's what the OCS is here for. But, um, as she's gay panicking, you can see like the rainbows in her eyes and hearing her voice, how like uh, affected she is by this as she's like rattling off these excuses. And Camilla's like, don't be ashamed, lesbish. It's fine. Like... (laughs) it's fine it's all good and then she delivers probably one of the best lines of the season where she says it's easy to fall in love with the warrior nun it's loving the warrior nun that's the hard part they're never yours they never last and i would love to point out and sheila confirmed this was a line that was supposed to be delivered by shotgun mary as a commentary on mary and shannon who were definitely a thing Mm -hmm. thank you sheila for confirming thank you thank you and after this, I think, and this is the thing that really 
Beatrice really needed to hear and you can see it in her face like after this line is delivered to her her eyes flutter like a hundred times because she's processing what ship captain Camilla is saying and it's the quiet part out loud the thing that she's been keeping to herself and Camilla just sees right through her, and she's like that's the thing you're really afraid of is that this museum heist her getting taken the possibility of her fighting Adriel and never coming back for, from it which was like something Yasmin was reinforcing at the very beginning of this episode she's like basically like nobody fights Adriel and lives and, and Ava's like whatever, I'm Adva. Um, we're going to make history. But Beatrice is like, no, that could be a reality that we'd have to face. Um, I may have to let you go and go to your demise. And there's really nothing I can do about it. I just, I'm going to have to watch it happen. And, and Beatrice can't handle that. She cannot handle that reality. She's really, really struggling with that, that piece and why that piece potentially is affecting her so much because of your gay feels that Camilla is trying to help you and call you out on at the exact same time. Uh, exactly and you can just see the puzzle pieces are starting to slowly slide into place at the end of this scene and just connect the beginning of the next scene Mm -hmm. it's shown on her face clearly when she walks outside to find ava training with the crown of thorns you see this expression come on her face it's like this adoring slight smile as she watches Ava hover over this statue with the crown and that's it's like it's like that moment where you, she she kind of accepts it she knows that she's in love with Ava yeah and that's just how things are so yeah because like think about that moment that's like she comes out of the room after just talking to camilla so she is processing what camilla just said to her out loud and then looks at ava and you just see Mm -hmm. the puzzle pieces small like slide into place why she's so upset about Mm -hmm. this and like i yeah i think that's the moment where she's like oh this is straight up love love oh shit like it's not just like best friend i want Mm -hmm. you in my life thing it's much more than that shit this is her oh shit moment (laughs) yeah this is like flashback to the scene in the bar where they're dancing and ava looks at beatrice and has her moment that is this but it's then when she's like oh shit yeah (sighs) can we talk about okay these are their okay we can agree that these are their oh shit moments can we talk about or just comment on how in character the oh shit moments are oh Ava's is a complete disaster where she's like oh mm-hmm. fuck like and it's just like all like fuck is on her face whereas Beatrice is like super graceful and she's like it's just a smile she's like yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> some of them I love sure. it that one yeah, that one <laughs> Yeah, that's that the one. one I love. One. That dork that's floating in the air. That damn dork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, the Halo chooses that moment to go out, and Ava falls. <laughs> she can't <laughs> even look cool at her. I know she can't look cool <laughs> in front of her woman. <laughs> that's why when Beatrice is like, "Let me help you," she's like, "I'm fine." Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's embarrassed. But- it's also reinforcing the whole Ava isn't infallible. Like Ava's yes. not immortal or anything of that nature. So absolutely. Dose right, of reality. Right yeah. in front of Beatrice's face, Ava falls out of the air and hits the ground. So she runs up and is tries to help her. And like you said, Ava is like, no, nah, I don't need it. I don't need your help. I'm good. I'm good. 
Um, so they talk about why the Halo's doing that, and Ava's like, I don't fucking know. Like, where you, I just got this thing stuck in my back. How am I, I supposed just, to know? I just how live this here. Works? I don't know. I just live here and do the bidding of everyone who wants me to save the world. Listen, totally. nobody gave me the fucking manual with the toaster, okay? Literally. <laughs> so you could tell she's a bit frustrated by this whole like this everyone's lives kind of depend on her being able to perform totally to the fullest abilities using the halo and that's not happening so she's frustrated and she's like i just need to put this thing on his head and then she and beatrice have a little moment where they're like where she's like we'll beat him Beatrice says, says, I trust you. I trust you. And that I I think that is huge for Ava as well, because Ava's not trusting herself right now because of what's going on with the Halo. And if Beatrice trusts her, then that's like Beatrice is her touchstone. Yes. Period. That's her grounding force. That's her stability. Yeah, that's her rock. So there you have. Yeah, so that means a lot to it means a lot to Ava, and then it means a lot to Beatrice too, because mm-hmm. at this point, she definitely has doubts about herself and her abilities. But it's showing that she doesn't doubt Ava and her abilities. Mm-hmm. Like that means a lot to somebody who's like the type A that needs to be in control all the time to be like, I trust you. I don't trust me. I don't trust anything else right now, but I trust you. Like that means a lot for Beatrice to say, and it means a lot for Ava to hear, like you said. So. Yep. Those two scenes together are fucking amazing. Anything a lot of great about, scenes. Anything else about Avatris before we unfortunately leave them? No, let's go. Uh, all right, so we're gonna very quickly jump over to the not hot priest limping around in Adriel's creepy church, which it's pretty fucked up that Adriel is like this big. He can do all these miracles or whatever, and he can't heal his own lackey's knee that's fucked up but whatever he doesn't care to yeah uh also the priest deserves it fuck that guy um mm-hmm. he deserves worse honestly and he encounters creepy christian uh christian sorry christian in that weird church and he's like hey you seem a little unsettled but like have some faith friend in two more days we're gonna deliver the world to adriel so that's the big master plan that these creepy assholes are doing and ill yeah big ill big ill don't like it creepy Mm -hmm. christian always just makes me feel worse he's even creepier to me than adriel is when he's grooming lilith he really is because he's just got that like he just has that like full believer just creepiness about it. I don't know another way to describe it. It's I don't know just how to unsettling. Uh, he like the hot the hot priest was unsettled by your presence. Yes, you're really thank creepy, you, dude. Yeah, if you're you unsettling know? the not hot priest, we know that you be creep master three thousand. Absolutely. Uh, let's go back to Mother Superior and, uh, and Yasmin. <sighs> yes, let's let's do that in a room full of Misogynist. dickheads. Yes. So the Pope is uh, telling everybody that Adriel's a charlatan, and we've got the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was not 10 seconds ago 
getting Yasmin all starstruck is like being like, how is it possible that an ordinary man could create all these plagues, et cetera, et cetera? And he's like, if he's an angel, he can invoke the wrath of God if we try to, to you know, denounce him. Dude. The Pope is like, no, nah, no, no, wait a minute. He is using <laughs> architect technology to uh, manufacture these plagues. Mr. Supposed to be my right hand, like Archbishop, right. bro. But that with science. <laughs> he's like, I think not, sir. He's using science. And so. <laughs> <Archbishop, a> <laughs> Archbishop's Archbishop like, well, well, how do you know this information? Where did you get this info? And my boss over here is like, well, you know, I had an informant. And I'm like, yeah, the guy that you tortured. <laughs> Still an informant, whatever. Uh, the informant, one of Adriel's lackeys, gave me the information. And, um, the, Jesus Christ, this mob boss of a, of a pope. I know. I wonder if this happens in the real Vatican. Right? So, <laughs> uh, the archbishop still is not, is not going to listen to the pope. He is still arguing but yasmin has had enough because she cannot cannot stay quiet through this no. dumbassery thank god honestly i mean mother superior handles it all the time so i think she has a, a bigger tolerance for the yeah. for this stupidity patriarchal bullshit Ugh, but yeah. um she she just breaks in there with like you you're just afraid of losing all of your congregants and you're afraid of losing power like this is for real i'm from a coptic order that's been preparing for adriel's return for forever and listen <laughs> listen this is a real thing <laughs> listen to the pope he's a devil he is not an angel he's a devil but the archbishop isn't taking any shit from women today apparently and None. asks the pope he's like why are you letting your women speak to me like this? Ugh, why are the women talking? It's like, dude. You, dude, I'm dude. not sad about what's going to happen to him next. No, me either. I was like, so, why didn't this happen sooner? <laughs> yeah, he didn't even need to talk, honestly. No. <laughs> but thankfully, Superior interrupts him to come and back up Yasmin. And is like, this is not about protecting the church or ourselves adriel is a global threat so he's threatening everyone in the world everyone that we're supposed to be protecting yes. under the guise of christianity God and <laughs> god so all of god's people are in danger you idiots is basically right. what she's saying so then the pope is like listen we have some traitors they've infiltrated the highest ranks of the church and unfortunately, Cardinal William <sighs> takes over to pontificate on the fact that no one took Adriel seriously. So at first you think that he's going to back the Pope up and be like, hey, we really need to do something about this. But no, 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 no. As, as we know, this bitch is one of Adriel's biggest fans Man. so <laughs> he's a fanboy. <laughs> he is a fanboy he's in love with adriel let's be literally real. holy fuck yes <laughs> christian is is 
He's second like almost up there with with Christian. I think yeah. Christian's a little more in love yeah, with yeah, Adriel yeah. than this guy is. Oh yeah, he's the president of the fan club for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they fight over who gets to handle the money. Totally. But <laughs> so he, no one took Adriel seriously, and then he pulls out a knife and sticks it in the archbishop archbishop's neck before saying, "Praise Adriel." Like this with his hands up, and it's God. Every time this man grandstands, it's so annoying. <laughs> Stupidly annoying, and just stop. Uh, right. So the other followers who are in the conclave also take out their knives, which are stowed under the table. And my question is, why the fuck did no one see that there are knife sheaths connected to the table underneath that people are going to pull out later? Didn't know. I mean, I'm sorry, but if I feel something like under the table. Like, wouldn't yeah, somebody like, have noticed that when they walked in? What the fuck's this? I know, right? I don't... I don't think... Okay, there's a part later where, like, the gang, covered in knives, walks right through the front door and nobody does anything. So I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's paying attention to anything in this hotel, and that's maybe why they picked no. it. They're like, it's the discretion hotel, you know? Well, I mean, like, the people that are sitting at the table that aren't yeah. followers of Adriel didn't notice the knives. Maybe they're too stuck in their holy thoughts to, like, notice Because most of the people in this room were Adriel's followers. That is true. So there were a lot of knives under that table, is my point. Anyway, yes. no one notices the knives. They take them out. Start, start the <laughs> bloodbath of stupidity nobody notices the knives until they're in their throat exactly <laughs> oh jeez. so mother superior is a fucking badass obviously mm-hmm. and starts fighting her way through adriel's followers and one of the pope's bodyguards actually turns on him but he stops short of killing him because you know it's the pope and mm. he's the mob boss so he kind of just starts to run away but then he runs into mother superior and attacks her like I also think that Adriel uh, gave them orders, like don't don't kill the Pope. The Pope, uh, I need him to, yep. I need him to legitimize chance. me. So don't kill him. Let him live. Uh, everybody else die. But she defeats the bodyguard and takes his gun. And I'm going. This is one of my pet peeves with shows. And I'm going to let right. it go because it's Mother Superior. However, there are not that many bullets in that gun magazine. <laughs> she shoots so many people with this gun some of them multiple times there aren't that many bullets in that magazine i'm pretty sure you said this the first time we watched this too and you're like god damn it that magazine I'm like are you counting bullets right now i did I'm, the bullets. The <laughs> I'm sorry but it's no, one no, of those I things get it. that gets me i get it so i'm like it guys at least have her like grab a mag off of somebody else who knows right, like whatever pick up another gun yeah yeah something Cause. so she's shooting and slicing her way because of course she has a sword cane um <laughs> <laughs> caitlin's crossfade is my bullets that's a very poetic it's <laughs> a very poetic uh statement mine um, is Grossman grandstanding. This mm-hmm. scene, I just, if it had a crossfade, it would be our worst nightmare. <laughs> would be. Um. Anyway, she's 
being a badass and cardinal asshole aka william finds yasmin under the table and tries to be super creepy and play oh a game God, with yes. her it's <laughs> <laughs> like he's like oh i get to kill the lady that interrupted them no you're oh fucking God. creepy and i hate you go he's... die <laughs> although i will say the one thing i do like in this scene is that he solidifies the um term of endearment the pope gives Yasmin where he calls her the enthusiastic apprentice so when he's under the table he's like oh the enthusiastic apprentice which is totally an amazing descriptor for her mm-hmm. it is it is it it's is. great um, so I, I just want to point out that before we leave this uh there's a shot of dead priests in the form of a cross oh yeah yeah, yeah. so symbolism, symbolism. um the uh, mother superior and the pope and yasmin retreat to a gym which is down the hall sure okay Okay. there's something extremely funny to me about the pope being in a gym because Mm -hmm. he's like in there all freaking out and there's like one of those weird giant exercise blue exercise balls (laughs) and it's just like a weird like visual i love it so much it just makes me laugh every time like what is this scene he's like all serious face and like he almost and they're in their like like, medieval robes and there's like a treadmill he's got blood all over him (laughs) it's just funny yeah and it's just like the gym equipment that they're pushing into the door to barricade it and i'm like how is that keeping them out i don't know (laughs) they're possessed by demons and have demon strength they have bullets. <laughs> they have bullets. They're gonna shatter the door. But they don't want to shoot the Pope. They don't. Yeah, yeah, the maybe. Pope, so. That's probably why they're protected. <laughs> they don't know that, though. They don't know that. <laughs> like what? The, what the? What the fuck with the bear? Like they could. Whatever. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. I know. Just crossfade. Caitlin says they ran out of bullets. Obviously not. These are infinity guns. <laughs> uh, yeah, infinity guns. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out during the scene them escaping is that when they were escaping in the heat of that moment uh mother superior yells out to the pope and says come on francesco and she says Mm -hmm. it in spanish so i'm wondering if he's actually spanish because we had this debate because like it's like you know in the heat of the moment you say things in your mother tongue kind of thing because like that's what comes to mind first versus translating into other languages so i'm wondering if they're spanish and like i think yeah like yeah. that's I think I, I wonder if that's, that's a clue and that's why they were told to do it in Spanish. Um should ask yeah. you, damn it. <laughs> oh well, it's really not that important. Just I didn't it's catch that the first time. You could still ask her. Yeah. Bring the info. Um that's exactly right. So there you go. So anyway, that scene transitions into like a continuous thing where camilla is still now fidgeting with the scar on her neck that she knows is there thanks to dr b and she gets a call in her little earpiece from mother superior who's like um listen camilla the shit has hit the fan at the conclave it's uh we are trapped now in a gym on the 13th floor you need to come extract us like immediately so camilla is like gone to the rescue she wants to help people she's been struggling like that it's her time turn to help people so she goes and gathers the remaining ocs troops um and we cut back to the other three that are taking a breather in the exercise room and mother superior kind of turns on francesco and she's like a vero like tell me the truth because like she's listen she's like you've been cryptic about this architect adriel bullshit like what is actually going on 
And he confirms that like, you know, what he said in there is true and that he knows that on March 23rd, which I assume is in two days, that's the thing that Christian and the Nahad priest were referring to. He's like at the, at the architect head headquarters, the, um, Adriel's going to be there with his supporters. So, and they're, he's going to make some big announcement. And he's like, I was really hoping by having this conclave meeting that I can get my loyalists to help me stop this thing from happening. But a coup just went down instead. So obviously it didn't go according to plan. And he's freaking out. I think this is his kind of like crisis of faith. Like you can kind of see it on his face. Like he's covered in blood. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Like I've lost all my supporters. I have nothing. But Mother Superior is basically like, we can still beat him. Like, you know, I'm still here. The OCS is still here. And that's kind of where they they leave it. He's he's just kind of like, who's going to help us? And Mother Superior is like, us, we're here. Like we're still standing. We're still fighting kind of thing. Um. But I love that it actually ends with him saying, who will stand with us now? Which is the perfect transition into the next scene. <laughs> okay. It's real. It's real hot. It's real hot. The they just walk engines. in. They just walk into this hotel. Music in the background is is badass. It's Ava Triss and Michael. In slow-mo. In slow-mo. Oh Jesus Christ, that's hot. What they used... okay, mostly the girls, but yeah, anyway. you know, Michael's kind of there, but like it's Michael's mostly there, but... mostly the girls. They're in armor. Um, they've got weapons, and I love the people at the front desk are just like, oh, who oh. are these people just walking in here and all these no one calls like, security? Leather... They're... Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, oh, this guy is there a con? <laughs> there's only one normally dressed person in this in this trio, and <laughs> the other two have like. Are dressed like rock stars with crosses and shit and a ninja. What? Beatrice literally has a sash with knives. Knives! And she just walks right in and they're like, okay, sure, why not? Sure. Just another day at the hotel, I guess. It's not like they shouldn't have heightened security because the Pope's having a conclave upstairs. (laughs) I know, I just found this very weird. And I love that, like, Simon's like, no, we're gonna. superhero entrances slow it down yeah. play the music have mm-hmm. them just waltz right in <laughs> it was awesome <sighs> i loved it but yeah you know 10 out of 10 out on of the 10. hotness scale Ooh. so upstairs they get upstairs and beatrice assesses the situation there is 10 to 12 fbc they're armed and probably possessed which ava confirms because she can see them demons she sees the truth same thing that lilith sees anyway yes um, <laughs> the space is too confined to take them on so they can't just be running down there and fighting these people beatrice the strategist general beatrice damn she's been doing a lot she was a doctor this episode mm-hmm. a general. it's she it's a uh, hot time for beatrice <sighs> she plays so many leadership roles mm-hmm. i love it so while that's happening, we have to go back to uh, the lab where Jillian is trying to keep her shit together. And then she finds a note from Beatrice. So Beatrice is also just like everywhere in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it says, Dr. Salvius, something is emanating from the cross. And the cross is underlined. Beatrice. And she's so British, I can't. I love that she only refers to her as Dr. Salvius, even in writing. And my other question, my question is, how on earth did Beatrice figure out something was emanating from the cross? 
Like, how did she figure that out? Has she Dr. Beatrice? But how did she... Did she see it in the sonogram? Because, like, I couldn't see anything really in the sonogram. So I have a headcanon that... It was Ava that figured it out. And, like, they were kind of, like, I think Ava saw something on the sonogram and was, like, oh, that's weird. And then she's, like, come on, B, let's go. And, like, didn't think anything of it. And Beach just, like, this is probably important. I'm going to leave a note. And, like, wrote it in the lab and just left it there and went to follow Ava. Maybe when Camilla came to get them, she's like, oh, we got to do an extraction fiction. And Ava's like, that's weird. And then runs away. And Beatrice is like, this is probably important. I should tell somebody who's an adult. Either that or Ava can see it because of her super uh, halo vision. Yeah, I definitely think the halo is the reason. I think Ava can see it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. She doesn't have the Dr. Salvius's fancy science glasses. But yeah. uh, she but I'm does sure have she a can halo. see that energy. Yeah. You know? Mm hmm. Anyway. And she sees the truth. She sees the truth. <laughs> Ridiculous. <sighs> so, anyway, Jillian's reading this tip and she does some quick maths and looks at the note, looks at the, sp- the cross on the spinal in the spinal cord, and then she leaves the room. And she gets her scientist glasses, like Bree said, and goes and finds Camilla, who's praying, and lo and behold, there's energy emanating from the base of her neck outwardly up into the air as Camilla is deep in prayer. And Jillian finishes the math equation and puts together that the prayers, which is basically praying is unique electrical brain impulses that are happening when you're deep in focus. Adriel has used those little crosses to harness that energy and is converting it to power the arc. And Camilla gasps, clutches her rosaries, and is like, do you think he's stealing prayers from God? (laughs) And Jillian looks at her like, I don't want to touch this with a hundred foot pole. No. (laughs) But uh, she's like, maybe, I don't know, uh, let me get you something to block that. How about we do that instead? (laughs) Let's not talk about the whole theology. (laughs) Yeah. It, it gave me the same energy as when Ava's like, wait, does this mean Jesus was also... And Beatrice is like, shut the like, fuck nope. up. <laughs> nope, shut that down. Shut up. Stop talking. Ava, leave it alone. Go. Here's, a, here's some keys. Play with those. Ava, just look pretty <laughs> and... Just stand over there and look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to talk. Uh, but uh, they don't get to get super far because they hear uh, these two in real time hear a car honking and go outside to check it out. And there's OCS reinforcements Finally, and so we get a bunch of badass women dramatically exiting a van that Camilla hugs individually, like the little happy puppy that she is. So, yay, we have new friends. Huzzah! Guess what? what? Ava likes to play games. She sure does. You know what She's game Ava's gonna play? Hiding Tag your it. Tag your it. <laughs> so, Ava, back in, back in the hotel with the conclave... And the crazy Ava lures all of those possessed members away from the gym door. <laughs> um, William is kind of like, yeah, yeah, go catch her. Cause you know, Ava typically is like, I hear Adriel's looking for me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Come and catch me if you can. So off she goes and they chase her. There's just two dudes remaining at the door. And then Beatrice 
Beatrice and why did I almost just call Michael Charlie? I don't know. Beatrice <laughs> I don't and know. Michael take out the two remaining um, assholes, and then Beatrice says, "Hey, it's B. Uh, we're here. Hallways clear." <laughs> so, uh, anyway, <laughs> Mother Superior gets up and is like, "All right, let's go." And the Pope's like, "Nope, ain't going with you because." Adriel needs me to legitimize him, so I'm just gonna let them take me. Uh, and the, the he's like, I'll just use this to help show the world or to tell the truth about him to the world. And then he tells Mother Superior to come back for him, and she promises that she will. And I'm like, no, leave his ass. Also, this was a stupid plan. <laughs> this is the stupidest plan. Obviously, they did not go through a global pandemic where half no. the population didn't believe it was happening. Well, the other half did. So, like, if you get up there and be like, well, I'll just tell the truth and they'll believe me. That's not how people work. No, it's really no, not. No, they, they're looking for confirmation of their faith. Adriel is showing them the magic tricks they've read about in the book before their eyes. They're not going to believe your words over the guy showing them real life magic tricks. Like, mm -hmm. that's not how that works. This was a dumb idea. Thank you. Also, I want to point out one fun thing. When Beatrice and Michael are, like, kicking ass, basically, Michael takes one dude and then Beatrice takes the other one. And, like, Beatrice, like, hits the dude in the chest and, like, stuns him. Mm -hmm. And then Michael comes in and kicks the dude in the face after Beatrice does her thing. And she looks at him like, what the fuck are you... I I just took care of that. Why did you do that? That yeah. was no point to that. And he's just like shrugs at her. And I just love that Beatrice is like constantly just judging him. She's like, what the fuck is Ava even seeing you? <laughs> like, I just love yeah, that little like, moment. Why are you even here right now? What are like, you doing? I just took care of you. I obviously could have done this by myself. Ava and I could have done this by ourselves. Yeah. I just Thank love you. it. She's like, Okay, and then other thing that I have a question about. When they're actually leaving, like, all of them. So they get Mother Superior, and they get the Pope, and they get out of there. Yaz got, like, uh, knifed in the calf or something. Mm -hmm. And so she's legit, like, she limps. Like, the girl, like, tails it out of there, limping as fast as she can. Why on earth didn't Mother Superior give her her cane? Good question. It's like, because she wanted her sister, you know? I guess because she wanted the weapon. weapon. But still, I was like, you have an actual, use the cane as a cane, girl. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Would have made sense. Yes. Okay. So then we get to the scene. The so, scene team. Spoiler trigger warning. So while that's all happening, Ava is still having way too much fun playing Chase Me with the FBC goons and decides to trick them by phasing through a wall, which leads her directly outside 13 stories above the ground. And the rest of the gang makes it outside to spot her flailing in the air because Ava can float but can't fly <laughs> at this point, I guess, which I don't understand. Um, or at that time, she's losing control of the halo because someone's turning it off and she plummets 13 stories straight to the ground. And the first person that gets to her, of course, is a screaming Beatrice. And Beatrice's worst fear starts playing out in real time. So she breaks down, immediately sobbing, and, like, clutches Ava to her body and basically spouts a bunch of truths 
while pleading with Ava, God herself, it's just out loud, her biggest, deepest, darkest truths. And she says, I know the world is hard and unforgiving, and I know that warrior nuns die, but please don't leave me. Don't leave me. Not don't die because of the mission. Don't die because of the OCS. Don't die because we need you to save the world. She says, don't leave me. Like, I don't want you to die. So that's huge because that's, that. this is Beatrice's I love you without saying I love you. That's what this really, really, really is. Because she frames it as a me and you thing, not a you're the warrior and the world needs you. You're the hero thing. And I love this because it it's called, again, the dialogue in this episode is very, like, callbacky. This is callbacky to what she was saying to Camilla. At this point in time, Beatrice is faced with the hardest reality of all. Ava's actively dying. And callback to Camilla, loving the warrior nun is hard because they never last. In this moment, Beatrice is pleading, praying even, which is for Ava to not die, for Ava to stay with her. And that in itself is a form of fighting in the face of that adversity, right? She's fighting for that love that is supposedly impossible, right? That's what Camilla said, like loving, loving her is going to be the hard part because they're not yours. They don't last. But in this moment, Beatrice is choosing to, she's choosing the hard route. She's choosing to love Ava despite that. And the fun part is that the halo is still a humming and Ava hears all of this. Like she's hearing all of this and it's everything she wanted to know. And of course she has to, in cheeky Ava fashion, while Beatrice is like sobbing and like laying it all on the line, Ava's like, yeah, I'd also like to avoid dying. That'd be great. <laughs> Poor Beatrice is like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> you ain't dead. And then we get some gay staring, which is really needed in this moment i think and mm-hmm. ava is just looking at beatrice like she hangs the moon in the sky even though she literally just fell 13 stories and has to have broken bones and hemorrhaging organs she's like all she can focus on is beatrice which and what beatrice said yes yes because in her brain it was like she likes me she likes me <laughs> She likes me, even I though she's like for her to admit it, but she likes me. Yeah. <laughs> I should fall out of buildings more often. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's literally Ava's brain. Cause she's just, she's so excited. You can see it on her face. And Beatrice is just like, oh, thank God you're not dead. And tries to like hug her again, but pain, pain, lots of it. And Ava's like, okay, maybe let's not do that. Um, we'll just gay stare for a little while. Um, but she like, I love that she reassures Beatrice. She's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like, she's like, I want to hug you. I'm just actively dying right now. Yeah. It's fine though. You know, it's, it's cool. No, no, um, I like the hug. I like the hug. It's just like, not a second. Just, Can we do yeah, like, um, My spleen has to heal first. Give me a second. And uh, then Ava says the line, like, they can't beat us not together, which I think is a full, kind of a full circle thing too of earlier when the whole them being successful was really contingent on Ava. And Beatrice said, like, I trust you to get this done. It's like an Ariella thing where it's like, no, it's kind of an us thing, not a one person thing. So it's, uh-huh. yeah. So I love that. And like, they're solidifying, Ava's saying like, we're a team, you and me. And Beatrice is like, yeah, I know we're a good team. And then, and then 
Then they go in for another hug that looked like a kiss that had us all fucking screaming the first time we saw it. You're so close, guys. You're so close. So I gotta, close. I gotta, like, the way that she, the way that Ava turns her face in. Damn, girl. And, uh, like, her, she, her like, nose she, grazes Beatrice. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> Just kiss her. God damn it. We Here we are. <laughs> we are. We erupt. We erupt. Um, okay, but the there's more. Do you have anything to say about what we just talked about before I just jump into the last part? Yes, I need to back up though. Please before Ava do choice. it. Do it, do it, do it. I have to give credit to Cardinal Jackass because <laughs> you know, they're chasing Ava down this hallway. Okay. <laughs> he grabs and the brain cell. They're running and like she's so far ahead. Obviously, they're not gonna catch her because A, she's fast, because Halo, and B, like she has the power to get the fuck wherever she wants because she can phase through shit. And finally he's like, okay, just shoot her already. <laughs> you guys have guns. They're so stupid. So why does he have to have the brain cell? Anyway, moving on. That's all my comment on that. My comment on the Avatrice stuff is I really think that that whole like tucking her face into Beatrice Beatrice's neck was a total Alba thing. Yeah, I think that was an acting choice for yeah, sure. It was an acting choice. So love it. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. But god damn it, ma'am. You thought we were gonna get kissed. You tricked us all. Uh, yes. So last part of this that I kind of wanted to pick apart a little bit is when Ava goes in for like the neck nuzzle hug, hug thing, the camera pans out and then we see Beatrice's reaction to hugging a living Ava. And what you'd expect to see pass over her face is relief because when she, when she realizes Ava's alive, like you hear the relief in her voice. And then when she's hugging Ava, that's not what you see on her face. Instead, what passes across her face is this look of devastation, which I thought was really weird the first time I watched it, but then I kind of thought about it. And I think there's something really monumental happening for Beatrice in this moment. So let's think about this. Beatrice just lived, lived through the, her worst fear, the thing that's been plaguing her the entire season. She was just cradling Ava's bloodied, lifeless body. That just happened. She just had dead Ava, right? And she's been so focused on keeping Ava from dying. And the moment she was supposed to die, according to everybody else, was battling Adriel. That was the thing she was trying to like put off. But she's like, we got to keep training. You're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. All that stuff. But that's not what happened. Um, instead, Ava died on just a regular mission. They were just extracting people from a building. And boom, Ava died. Adriel wasn't even there. And so I think this is an acceptance, and you said it earlier, that like Ava's not, Ava's an, you know, she's not immortal. She, she can die. And I think that, that this is an acceptance for Beatrice that Ava isn't un, as untouchable as she thinks she is. And she cannot protect her from everything all the time. Even on routine missions, she can lose Ava at any moment. Like, she can lose her in any moment, you know? And when she does... Beatrice always thought she'd be completely devastated and she is in this moment like you see it a complete wreck like she started sobbing immediately like she started praying her deepest darkest fears immediately that was a minute ago right and it's a complete loss of control for Beatrice who's the type of person that needs to be in control all the time 
But when it comes to Ava, she's not. And at this point, Beatrice doesn't have the strength to fight those intense feelings that throw her into a straight into a state of being completely uncontrolled. And so I think this sad look that passes across her face while she's holding Ava's living body is a loss of innocence moment for Beatrice. Like she can't live in the theoretical that like one day Ava might die. Ava just died a minute ago. Like she now knows what that losing Ava actually feels like. She was just feeling it. She's probably still feeling it now and it's kind of shaking her. And that's really scary. And like, that's what Camilla said. Like, that's the worst thing that can happen. Like they don't last. Like it's not going to, this isn't going to end out end well for you. Like if you continue to love her, it's basically kind of what that, that was that she's saying Beatrice is somebody who watched Mary go through this, who watched the shell of a person Mary became when Shannon died. And Beatrice is like, that could be me. And that was going to be me a minute ago. But what you love about Beatrice is that she, she does choose to love Ava despite all of that, despite knowing what that's going to feel like, despite knowing the mess she's going to be when, 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 when Ava gets killed, like she, she still chooses to do it anyway. And she chooses to do the hard part, which is loving Ava despite that. So it's a that's a big moment for Beatrice, really. And I think that's a big, big turning point and kind of helps form what happens later with Beatrice um, and how her behavior kind of like 180s a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Definitely is a pivotal moment for her and her <clears throat> acceptance of how reality. she feels yeah. and reality. Yeah. She That's didn't honestly, Beatrice knows that she doesn't actually have a choice. <laughs> like you, you just, you love who you love period. Um, yeah. But like that kind of reality, it's one thing to theoretically think about it. And it's another thing to experience it. And it's like, she's at the point where she experienced the worst. And it's like having to process that is just, a lot and it's it, she still hurts like it hurts like i think that's why it it's such a painful look it it's does. not like relief she's okay like it's just like whew, she just died that's she what just, her face is saying she like just wow died. she just died and the odds are not in our favor for yeah. the future of of for that either yeah if she keeps fighting she might die i think that's what really that reality is what kind of dictates beatrice going forward and yeah. it makes me think that Beatrice probably had some of those thoughts that would be very not like Beatrice in behavior. Like, uh, can we just run away and go back to Switzerland? But yeah, no, that's what I mean. I think this moment really dictates that conversation later uh -huh. because she's like, you need to escape and not be in this position anymore uh -huh. because I can't handle you dying. It's basically kind of like, yeah, it's a way of Beatrice to protect not just Ava but herself from the devastation she just felt when Ava just died in the scene. It's easier to it's easier to do that than to do it all over again. Do real. it all over again, and also there's the whole duty, whatnot. I think yeah. that gets less important for Beatrice. It does though, get less duty. important. It's an excuse, yeah. For the feelings, the feels. Believe me, I'm familiar with those. The feels. So, mm. yeah, I love that scene because it's it's so much in a short scene. And I, I love. I just, Damn it, Alba. 
Your trickery. Glad... <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Whatever. We got Beatrice's uh, oh shit moment. So all, all, all is well. Worth it. Um, yep. So unfortunately, this episode doesn't end on Avatrice. Um, I know. We have to go back to William the ass and the Pope. So the Pope lets himself get captured and William, because he's a theatrical little bitch, is like <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> Best description. Forgive me, Father, for you have sinned. And I'm like, really? Oh, that's all you came up with? How then, long has this bitch been waiting to say something stupid like a that? Long like, ass I know. Time. <laughs> he practices in the mirror. Ugh. His fucking He Bible like holds insults. He, he has his Bible in one one arm and he holds up his um why is my brain? You know, he holds Rosaries. up his rosary in the other yeah. and uh, uses it as a microphone. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> catch him every week. Uh anyway. The Pope is just gonna let them lead him away, and then we go back to Lilith, who's seeing all the demons swirling around, and the that's truth. when, she, yeah, seeing the truth, and that's when she asks, "Is this how Ava sees?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no. This is how you see. Only you. You're not changing. You're purifying." Ew! That line. <laughs> Ew. Mm. God, gross. Gross before can This is the second time in our day that this has come up. I know. Oh god, I know. Why? Purifying women. Men Anyway, that is the creepiest, most awful shit ever. And He's like, we will walk the path together, creating a new existence. Where true power will be shared by everyone. I don't think so, bitch. You are obviously not that kind of person. You like all the power. You want all the power for yourself, and you're just lying about this. Like every other asshole that's tried to take power in the world. Yeah, and he's just making her Ariella 2.0. Yeah, because it's, so, it's probably the same shit he said to her. Let's be honest. It is. Let's, for yeah. real. He's not going to change up his spiel. This is the same shit yeah. a thousand years later or however long. Totally. So this is when it gets like, you know, those when you're watching a horror movie and the person who's about to get killed runs up the stairs. This is one of those moments yes. because oh my God, yes. reaches Ugh. out and touches his cheek. And I'm <laughs> like, no, that was it keeps getting worse <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house yes Lilith run gosh <laughs> uh, anyway <sighs> he's doing exactly what he did Ariella she touches his cheek then she sprouts these big black wings like where the fuck did that come from anybody <laughs> anybody why was that delayed why was it a delayed process that was, was so that a, weird was that something to do with how he what he did to her eyeballs is he changing right. her inside as well is he I, the only thing i can think of is that he is not that this process has been taking place slowly and he sped it up yeah right exactly that's what i think i agree with you he sped up what Rhea had envisioned for her all along somehow exactly he, i don't know but yeah however mm. i don't like it 
So I will say I like the wings because the wings are cool. They hide what's about to go down. <laughs> yes. Now I will say that I don't like the look on her face when the wings sprout because it looks too symbolic of uh, something else. Yes. I was going to let that slide, but here we are. Yep. And no, the, I'm not letting it slide. I'm not letting it slide. The subtitles say moaning. So here we are. Gross. Ew. He touched so her inside and made her have wings in it. It's so gross. Oh, why are we here i don't know I, who asked for this sheila who no. asked for this sheila what the heck why did you do this to us you're paying for my therapy bill literally <laughs> oh my god anyway this is where we do appreciate the wings because as she is embracing him the wings fold around their bodies and they kiss and i'm it just hides- like it hides the heterosexuality, which I'm here for, especially the uh, weird age gap, angel and child kissing that's happening, and it's gross on so many levels. Because apparently he does this all the time. This is what happened with Ariella. So serial child gruber, angel. I hate it here. fuck that guy not literally <laughs> no <clears throat> it's so i just why just I, we had to go from that avatrice it, okay if I, you're gonna if you're gonna make us watch this bullshit <laughs> yeah you need we needed them to kiss before this to balance I, it that's out. what i'm saying alba <laughs> was probably trying to rectify what the hell was the rest of this <laughs> the script and then was like damn it director said no who directed I, this? Who do we got to send the hate mail to? <laughs> and I have to say that we're not hating on the writing of, no, the, of that scene. It's a really, it's really well done. It's just that we hate what happened in the scene so much that it's yes. creepy and we don't like it. Agreed. I just get groomer vibes from him the whole time when he's with Lilith because the age gap is so huge mm-hmm. and he's done this before. Like this is the playbook with Ariella who is like probably a similar age and it's just... Who knows what this is an infinite being with a teenager. There's something inherently wrong about that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sheila. Speaking of speaking I of love Jesus, you, though. But how many sh- okay, so this episode is over now, obviously. It sure because, is. <laughs> um, I kind of wish that I could unsee that last part, but we have to ascertain how many shots for pansexual Jesus, uh, how many lemon drops for pan Jesus we're going to do on this episode. How many shots for the Jesus? Uh, let's see. I would give this one a seven because <gasps> of, ooh, did you pick that too? You read my mind. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right. So lemon drop shots for the Jesus. I would give it seven because... All the Beatrice stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this was her, like, <laughs> I was like, coming to Jesus moment. I know, about I, was, feel- <laughs> I was thinking it. I was thinking it. <laughs> so her coming to lesbian Jesus moment about Ava. And she says it out, she says things out loud that she's been mm-hmm. bottling up about all of that. Uh, the way Ava looks at Beatrice after she fell 13 stories deserves like five shots in and of itself. Because it's Thank just you. like, it, like it, it's like Beatrice is sunshine. Beatrice is her angel oh my gosh no absolutely that's literally what that that was that was adorable um 
Yeah, and then I'll forget about all the rest of the stuff that happened this episode. That yeah. was really yeah. the key. And, like, her talk, her, like, also, like, the stuff with Camilla was really good. Like, them clearing the yes. air finally needed to happen. Figuring uh, out what the hell that thing is in her spine. Uh, yeah, and then the slow-mo superhero entrance of them looking really hot was great. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good moments. I wish there was more of them, because greedy. But their moments were all really, really great this episode. We are greedy little queer ladies and we want all the all of the wonderful moments. We sure do. So love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yes. So Yes. What a ride. Thank you, Sheila, for the writing. Thank you. Yes. Simon for making this possible. And thank you for getting coming along with us on this episode. And yeah. we'll see you next time for episode six. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.